Man. I want to say one quick thing. Uh, we are getting to worship this morning in our new kids' space, and I just want to say to, um, to every person that busted their rear ends at night and with extra time and cleaning and moving and changing, we're grateful. Beyond words, we're grateful. There are a lot of people, and we just want to tell you we love you and how very, very, very much we appreciate you, uh, all of you that have given financially, sacrificially, and have also served. We, we are truly grateful. Now, we're going to jump right in. If you weren't here last week, we talked about sex, and so I encourage you to go back because it's a fun topic to discuss uh, with your in-laws in the room on their 35th anniversary talking about hanging out with their daughter. So that's pretty fun. It's awesome. And this week, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about love, which is the second part of our series, but it's amazing. And this is, this is one of my favorite messages that God's ever given me because it's one of the most challenging messages that God's ever given me. And here's why. The truth of the matter with love is this. And y'all just hang with me. I need you to talk to me this morning. Can y'all talk to me? Yeah. Good job. Awesome. Awesome. We love a lot of things, right? Yeah. We love a lot of things. I love my wife. I love my kids. And I love pizza. Yeah. Right? I love Krispy Kreme. Listen, if you don't love Krispy Kreme, I have a problem with you. Because Krispy Kreme is good. When they're hot, it's really good. And you should love it. Thank you, Jesus. All right, there we go. I love a lot of things, and the problem is we say we love this, and we say we love this, and we say, what's the problem with this? What's the problem? I do love Krispy Kreme. I really do. But it's not the love that we're talking about. It's not the unconditional love that we're talking about. It's not the, the sacrificial love. I'm not going to sacrifice, uh, to an extent, much for Krispy Kreme. Maybe a little bit. But I'm not going to sacrifice much. But I should for other things. And then this is the other problem with love. If we're all just putting it out on the same page, this is the problem with love. We want everybody else to change. Right? I mean, that's just the truth. I can point out your flaws in a minute. If you give me five minutes with you, I'm going to figure out how to fix you. But I never do that for me. I never look in a mirror and go, you know what, Mark? We're going to change today. These are the things that we need to change. I just, I, but I'll do it for y'all. Especially if y'all were married, you need to say amen. Especially for the person you live with. Amen. Especially for the person you live with. Amen. Your kids, your wife, your husband. Hide them all. Especially for those people, right? Because we can see it. And it's right in front of us. And we're like, I wish that sorry mug would stop taking the toothpaste and pulling it from the top. I wish they'd stop doing it from the bottom. I like it from the top. Sort of from the bottom. Now we're here, right? After, I wish they stop all that stuff. And, and we constantly look at them and say, I wish they'd change. And as a result, here's what happens. I don't feel in love anymore. I look at that person and I'm just like, Aah! And if you've never felt that way, I don't really think you're alive and we're going to get Doc to check you because you always feel that way at some point. There's always someone that looks out and you just go, Aah! My wife is crazy. My husband's nuts. My kids, if you've never said that about your kids, I need some direction, all right? Because my kids are stinking crazy. They're losing their minds. And the one person in our lives that we don't say that about is us. I'm not crazy. Yes, I'm very crazy. And the one person that I don't want to change is me. 
I want to change you. I want you to become what I want you to become so that I can keep being me and everything's good in the world. And that's not how it works. Because ultimately, when we look at people, here's the deal. When we look at other people, we want to love them just like we love Krispy Kreme, just like we love pizza. And that's not the biblical picture that God gave us for love. There's all different forms of love. But listen, when love is mentioned in the Bible and it's a command to you, the, the people, the religious leaders come up to Jesus, they said, tell us what to do. Like, tell us the most important thing. What are the commandments that we should follow? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. They didn't think, sweet, that's easy. Or we think, I love Krispy Kreme so I can love God and it's all good. No, no, no. Agape love is different. It's bigger. This is what agape means and it's hard. Maybe it's not hard for, for some of you, but agape love is sacrificial and unconditional. That means above me. Above me, I give of myself sacrificially, unconditionally. That's a big word. That's not just like I walk out and like, you know what, no matter what you do, I love you. That's unnatural. And, and here's the problem. When we're looking for Mr. Right or we're looking for Miss Right, that is the last thing on our list. We want to find the person that makes us feel good, that has rose petals down the hallway, that always does what we ask them to do, and unconditionally is the last thing that we need, right? So with that, you know what I mean? Like, unconditional. So, like, if they do exactly what I ask them not to do, I should still love them? Yep. Nah. I'm checking out right now, Pastor Mark. You had me at, you didn't even have me at hello. Like, I'm not even listening to that junk, right? And then we say this. Maybe, maybe this isn't you, but I feel like it is. Lord, then we say this. I don't understand why my marriage is falling apart, Pastor Mark. I don't understand why my kids are losing their mind. I tell them what to do. And we don't, we don't follow God's simple instruction on love. Listen, simple doesn't mean easy. God's simple instruction on love. There's a handbook. There's a handbook. But if you just run to the handbook and you miss the beginning, the foundation, the principle of love, he's the bedrock, he's the foundation point. And if you miss that, well, you'll, you'll miss the starting point. Here's the starting point. This is agape. This is agape. Not that we agape God, but that he loved agape us and sent us Jesus as a sacrifice that paid the debt for our sin. That is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And this isn't just a love like I love pizza. This is a love that's bigger, that's unconditional, that no matter what you do or where you go, he loves you. You said, Pastor Mark, this week, man, I had sex with two different people that I'm not married to. He loves you like this. Pastor Mark, I witnessed to 10 people this week, and I don't even know if I sent, sinned one time. He loves you the same. The same no matter what. That is stinking amazing to me. It blows my mind. But that is the foundation of love. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. We emotionally try to love, and we miss the foundation of love. And as a result, our whole lives look like a roller coaster, up and down. If we feel it, right? I got up this morning, I was feeling it. It was a good day. I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to love my kids. I'm going I'm to do all the things that I want to do. But tomorrow, if I wake up on the wrong side of the bed, that ain't happening because it's all about me. And this is what we constantly do. We look out in this world, and there's someone that just strikes your eye, and you're like, that girl. Whew. She's that dude. 
only not. She's that girl. And then there's that dude that you look at, and he's in that magazine, and you're like, if my husband would just, like, join CrossFit and P90X at the same time and, like, probably start, stop eating the two things that they love, well, they'd look like that. And then, then I could sacrificially and unconditionally love them. And it's nothing about you. It's all about them. And we wonder why the divorce rate inside the church is 60%. Inside the church, not outside. Because this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son. And we don't even start there. We start with us. So Paul, last week we talked about 1 Corinthians 6, and goes seven chapters later, and Paul gives us like the handbook for love. The handbook for how to do this thing. Guys, I'm telling you, I, I firmly believe that if two people, if two people, if you're thinking about getting married someday, if, if, if you will live like this is your handbook, I'm convinced that you cannot fail. And, and there may be an exception to the rule that I don't know about. And this isn't, nothing is foolproof because we're sinful people. But I'm convinced that this is the way we live our lives, unconditionally loving each other. If you're looking for a good friend in this world, and we have a handful at best in our lifetime, if you will be that friend, I'm telling you, it's amazing how God works things out. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is about love. Look at this. This is big. This is big, and God, God showed it to me differently than I've ever read it before, and I've done it at some of your weddings, and he showed it to me differently. He said, if I speak in the tongues of men and, and of angels, but I have not agape love, sacrificial, unconditional love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, and if I have prophetic powers and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so to move mountains, if I do all these things that I ever wanted to accomplish, if I become the one that I wish I could become, if I get to the top of my field, if I become the pastor of a huge church where people know my name, and I do all these things, but have not love, I am, what's the word? I'm nothing. This is not my idea. This is not a good idea. This is not, this is not a cool thing to get your emotion. This is Paul's words to us. I am nothing. Verse 4. If I give away all that I have, like Pastor Mark, God said to give it, it to the rich young ruler, give everything that you've got and follow me. So if I give everything that I have and deliver up my body to be burned at the stinking stake so that I'm a martyr, look at me. Look at all that I've done for God. But I have not loved. I've gained nothing. And when we stop and pause and think about the first four verses, holy cow, this is bigger than just maybe I should do this. This is like, let's slow down and let's look at this thing and let's realize that it's not about any of you in my life. It's about me. It's not about the fact that I can point out what you're doing wrong. It's about the fact that I'm not agape loving the people around me. Most importantly, God and my wife and kids above all else. I'm not loving them like that. I'm wishing that they would love me like that. And the result of my life is chaos all around constantly. And I say, what's wrong? Well, this is what's wrong. I've put my priorities all around me wishing that I could accomplish all these big things. Man, if I could just become the best in my field, if I could just do all these things and be really good at, and I've forgotten what Paul said was the foundation. And then here's the deal. We're going to stop. We're going to sit on some of these. Maybe some of y'all won't struggle with these like I did, but God is like kidney punch, kidney punch, kidney punch me on these areas 
And I have realized that there's a lot of changing that someone in our church needs to do, and it's this guy. In my home, in my life, with my friends. Because when I describe myself starting in verse 4, I have to ask, is this you, Mark? Love is patient and kind. Here's what patience is. Y'all ready? Y'all taking notes? This is really good. Y'all need to write this down. This isn't my ideas. This, is, this comes straight from a lot of study. And this is, this, y'all need, some of y'all really need to write this down for real because I know, you know what I'm saying? Patience. Patience is not, biblically speaking, patience is not holding on so that you get something out of somebody. Like sometimes I'm patient, hoping that they'll catch up to me so that I can do my thing. That's not patience. Patience, the, the best word for patience for, for this true love is to pause. Can I just be honest? I'm not real good at pause. Some of the people in my life should have said amen right there. to like, Yep, he's telling the truth, right? I'm not good at the pause button. I think you should catch up to my speed. I'm going, we're going fifth gear and we're going to RPM it till it almost blows up. And if you can't go, then that's your bad. That's not my bad. No, 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 no. That's wrong. That's wrong. That means that I don't love people like God said to love them above me. And so when I'm just patient so that I get my own way, that's impatience. Patience is not just slowing down. Patience is the pause button where I take a deep breath and I look at the people whom I love in my life and I say, yes, they can. Yes, they will. And I will do what I can in my power to bring them along. And here's how, it, here's how it couples. These go together. Here's how it couples with kindness. This is, this is, I've had to really, Lee and I were on a date night and I had just studied this a few weeks back, four or five weeks ago. And um, I just cried on the way. I think we were driving to Gaffney to go to a movie and I just started crying. And I said, I just want to read to you what God showed me in this. I am so horrible at being a husband. You are not a horrible husband. And I said, yeah, yeah, but I am. Like when it comes down to it, I may be better than some people that you think of, but I'm not the man that God called me to be. I was not called to be better than some people. I was not called to compare myself with some other people that she can think of in my life. I was called to be patient and kind in the biblical form. And this is what kindness is. Kindness is not doing something nice for someone so I get something from them. Kindness is not walking the lady across the street that needs help or picking up their groceries. Kindness is seeing weaknesses in people and lifting them out of their weaknesses, not pointing them out. I got a really good gift at pointing out people's weaknesses. Like I can look at people's weaknesses and go, this is what you stink at. But what about taking those weaknesses and making them a strength? That's tough. I'm not really good at that. And for my wife, oftentimes what I do is I point them out and then I needle and I dig my nails in it. And then I ask this question. I wonder why we're fighting. Really? Like seriously? <laughs> you wonder why you're fighting and the only time you're kind is when you want to get some? Some of y'all think that's crude. That's honesty. The only time, men, that we are kind is when we hope to have sex that night, so we're kind to get something. And ladies, the only time that we're kind is when they're on your nerves and you just want them to shut up. And that we don't want them to lean in. We don't want them to be 
pulling each other closely. We don't want to lift each other out of our weaknesses. Can I just tell you why that's the case? Because I do have the answer for this. It's because agape love is not first to Jesus. Unconditional, sacrificial love above all else to Jesus Christ as Lord of my life, under his authority, under his lordship. And I say, God, because of that, everything that I do, I want to reflect and honor you. And I'm not going to try harder. I'm going to let you shine through me in my marriage, with my children, with everything that I do. Young people, with your parents, with your teachers, with everything that you do, no matter what age you are with your, with your person that you're dating. Everybody says, why should I wait to have sex? Pause and think about it. Is that the kind thing to do to take their virginity? No, but we don't care. We don't care. We're not patient enough to wait. We don't truly sacrificially love the person that we're talking about. We just want ours right now, and we want to get it when we can, get it while it's hot, and let's go. And so the truth is, when people look into the church, they see a lot of themselves, and they say, I'm not sure that I want what they have because it seems like a lot of religious jargon. And the fact of the matter is, a lot of times in my life it is. It says love does not... Here's the, the, I call these the do nots, like the, it does not, these four go together. It's not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. Goop, right? I get like four X's for those most of the time. Doesn't envy, isn't rude. Like sometimes I'm not rude, Pastor Mark, so this really probably isn't me. No, it is. Like it is. Here's how you know if it is. If the person closest to you has something good happen, do you get, listen, this is hard, more excited than if it happened to you? If that's you, I should bring you up here and say, I'm done, deuces, I'm letting you talk. I've really been working on this area of my life, surrendering it, because if I work on it, it's just going to fail. Because the truth of the matter is you know if it's true. You know if it happens. Some people celebrate all different ways, right? People celebrate in, in different forms. Some of y'all do not know what social media is. That's, that's great. Stay off of it if you don't know what it is. But some of you, like you have a Facebook or Twitter or whatever, whatever the new ones are, and you have all of them and you Snapchat exciting things and all those. Like if you have those, that's awesome. If you only talk about you on those, and then something good happens to someone and you envy what they have and, and you boast about what you have. If your conversations, let's just call it what it is, always start with, guess what I've done or this is what I've accomplished. This is a struggle. But most importantly, the people that you dislike, this is hard, the people that you dislike in your life or the people that kind of rub you the wrong way or just reality, the people that have your personality type. And, and so you look at them and you say, that's my equal and opposite. That's the yang to my ying. And so I don't really think that they're cool and they probably don't love Jesus. So I don't have to like them and like all those things. And so when you look at them, you're like, I, they're probably lying. And, and they're probably not as good as what they do as I think of them. So just whatever. And they're not as good. And I'm, I'm better at, at that than them. And I'm the best at the, than, than you're mean. And then this is what we ask. Why do people not want to get saved? Why? Why again is my marriage falling apart? Like, I can't get this thing. Like, this, this doesn't seem right. I got, so I'm telling my dude how to do his thing, and I'm telling him this is how we're going to parent, and he's telling me how we're going to parent, and we're butting heads constantly. If this isn't your life, then praise God, but it's probably your life, right? So I'm, I'm constantly butting heads, and I can't figure out why. What's wrong? Why do we fight every single day? What is the problem? 
You know what? You're not changing them. Stop trying to make them what they're not or what you think they should be and you be who you should be. When we stop looking for Mr. Right or Miss Right every single corner and we say, this is who needs to be Mr. Right. My wife deserves Mr. Right in her life. And if she's looking for him, she should look no farther than right here. And I can't change what she does. I can't change who she is. But I can't stop being arrogant or rude. I can't stop envying and boasting. I can't lift her up. I can't be patient and be kind. I can't pause and look at her and say, I know that you have weaknesses, but I can make them strengths because that's the power that God gave me. And if it doesn't start with my love for Jesus because of what he first did for us and because he first loved us, I'll never do these things. And I'll constantly say this. Why is my marriage miserable? And then I'm really good at this one. It does not insist on its own way. <laughs> and maybe like triple X is not irritable or resentful. So here's, here's a great example. This is what happened to me yesterday. This is one of those kidney punches. I was gone this week on a little trip with some of the guys from Five Point Church in Easley, Pastor Dean and some of them. And So when I'm gone on trips, Austin and the staff and the board, they like to keep stuff from me because I have a tendency to slightly overreact. Thank you for laughing. And become a little bit, what's this word? A little bit irritable and possibly a little resentful toward the person that did me wrong, okay? And so they kept it from me. Yesterday I got here, we had a, the little cleanup thing. I got here, and they gave me the news. This was the news. Last week I showed you the picture of what we're going to do to the windows, right? And, and they said, here's the thing. The guy that's over this building, he's kind of decided he doesn't want us to do it. And he did approve it on the front end. And so let me just tell y'all, I'm very patient and kind and caring, and that's just me. That's who I naturally am. It just bubbles out. When, when I get news like that, I just want to go hug people, right? That's just how. So I immediately went, Aah! and I started looking for my phone. I was going to call somebody. I'll fix it. I'll get them. I'll get them right now. And I just, things just started going through my head. No, nah, I'm not going to call them today. Because I, you know, and I just, I, then I have conversations with myself. Some of y'all don't do this. But I do. And then I answer myself. Like, and I just, I'm, I'm talking and I'm, I'm figuring it out. And so I go home and um, every day that I'm, I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm praying through a psalm. And yesterday was Psalm 18. And God just convicted my heart when I'm reading through that and writing it out, journaling, praying. And this was, this was kind of my thought. Seriously. <laughs> what good is dishonoring a man who's trying to do his job is he honoring us? I don't, I don't know. But I don't think he's intentionally dishonoring us. I think he's just trying to do his job and he's nervous about something or who knows what happened in his life. And so I immediately start throwing rocks with my mind on how to get right and I realize that the level I give in honor and I value people, including people in authority over me that own buildings, that's the level of honor I'll receive back. And I thought immediately as I was going through that, wow, you forgot that pretty quick, bro. And then I thought, I wonder if I'm being patient and kind right now. And I wonder if I'm trying to fix all this or if I believe that God may have something better. 
I wonder if I really believe that about God or if I really believe that about me. And he just convicted me and said, you know what? I got this. I don't know what's going to happen. And quite honestly, I'm not going to lose a lot of sleep over it. I slept like a baby last night and I plan on it this afternoon. God did not call me to fix every single problem. There are some things that we have to worry about when we're over things and when we're bosses. When you're the father of a home, when you're the husband of a house and you're called to lead and you should lead. But there's other things that we try to take into our control that you weren't called to do that. And we should be patient. We should be kind. We should not envy or boast. We should not try to say, I'll fix it. But can I just be real with you? I woke up this morning and I wasn't, I wasn't this. I was so excited to wake up. I just had a joy in my heart. Check this out. If you have Jesus who looks at your life and you screwed up all week and said, I love you, my son or my daughter. We should have joy. Every single day should be joy. And it's not because, not because of what's happened, not because of circumstances, but because of love or a lack thereof. And it's not a manipulated, try to figure it out, make this a good thing. And, but it's the lack of emotion. It's taking the emotional equation out of it. So I don't have to feel rose petal love. I don't have to feel amazing love. I don't have to have everything perfect in my life. If someone forgets something, it's okay. I have Jesus. And it is well with my soul. All things, all times are better with Him. And so as a result, I lose being resentful and being irritable. And I stop boasting about me and I boast about Jesus I brag about him above all else and my relationships in my life begin to come together and the glue that was torn apart by the enemy that wants that to happen, he just wants to cause confusion and lies and deception, it begins to go away and I start being more like Christ. Not because I'm trying harder, but because he's more in me. He's more in charge. And it's crazy how that continues. Verse 6. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. This is hard but rejoices with the truth. And when bad things happen to those people, like in our lives when this lack of love, can I just tell you that the enemy of love in your life is not hate? And oftentimes we think, if I just don't hate, then I love. No, apathy is the enemy. Just, ah, just, mm, just a mundane attitude, just feeling apathetic. That's the enemy. That's what's driving you from that unconditional love. Just feeling apathetic toward people, feeling ap apathetic toward anything in your life. And that causes you when something bad happens, it's not hate. If you hate something, you clearly go fix it. But when you're apathetic toward it, it's not really that big of a deal. It is because you don't do what Christ called you to do. And it's love. And he says it doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, and that includes the people in our lives who we dislike. But we rejoice in the truth. Why? Because it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love does all of these things. And here's the deal. In our lives, what we hope for is for the people that are around us to become this. They they will not just by you hoping. I dang sure promise. Listen, mamas, wives, husbands, sons, your mama, your wife, your husband, your coworker, your boss, nobody in your life's going to change because you nag. They're not going to change. You can't change anybody but you. But you can become the person that you wish they would.
Because this is the calling on our lives. This is the calling on our lives. John 13, verse 35. And this is what I want you to leave with today. Remember all those agape things, all those loves things. And this is the calling on our lives. This is big. A new commandment I give to you. That you, what's the word? Agape love, unconditional, sacrificially love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. Love God and love people. But this is how, but this is how people will know that you're my disciple, that you follow me, that you're a Christian. This is how that you have, what is it? That you have love, agape love for one another. That you agape love one another. Guys, it is time for us to stop wishing that other people would. And it's time for us to become. It's time for us to become. Stop wishing that others would be Mr. Right or Miss Right. That your parents would change. That people would change. And you be what you wish others would. Become the person that you're looking for. Become the coworker. Become the student. Become the husband or wife. Become the friend that you wish everybody in your life would be. And this is how we do that. By understanding this one thing. Listen carefully. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice for our sin. This is sacrifice. This is unconditional save me from my sin. And because you love me, you died on the cross for me and I believe in you and I give you my heart and life. And guys, there's a bunch of you in this room that you need to do that for the very first time today. And then for everybody else, your life is not reflective of what Paul described should be love. And that's your opportunity today to say, you know what, I'm going to become the person that I wish everybody else would. Will you bow with me? With every head bowed, and I closed.
I just want you to pray with me. God, today I give my heart and life to you. I'm going to become the person that I wish everybody else would, but not by my own will, not by my own power, but by giving my life to you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead three days later and you lived for me. You just didn't die for me. And as a result of that and that great love that you have, I love you and I give you my life. With your heads bowed, if that is the prayer that you prayed, but more importantly, in your heart, you want to give your life to Jesus because of love and his great love for you first. If that is your life and that is what you want, all I want you to do is simply acknowledge with your hand what the heart has already decided. Will you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor Mark, that's me. For the first time in my life, yes. Who else? For the first time in my life, I want to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. That's what I want to do. Who else? Who else, guys? I believe there's more in this room that would say, Pastor Mark, that is me. For the first time in my life, I choose love. I choose Jesus. I want my life to be controlled and owned by him. I want him to be the boss of my life. How about for the, for the, for the room, for people that are saved? I promise you I would be the first one to raise my hand if I was in the service. This is what you got to ask yourself is, is this the description of my life when people see me? Because here's the deal, guys. The world knows you by the way you agape others. That's what Jesus said. How many of you would say, Pastor Mark, that is what I need in my life? Because the truth is I do not love them. I'm apathetic toward many people and many things, and I need love. Just raise your hand wherever you are. Raise your hand all over the room. It's almost everybody, God. You know our hearts. You do not save hands. You do not, uh, you don't really concern yourself with that. It's just a public display of what our private confession is. God, will you change our hearts and lives? We give ourselves to you. Lord, in just a second, we're going to stand and sing in honor of you. You are among us and your glory surrounds us. And God, we desire revival in this house, but it starts with your love and your power and your might. You are worthy of all praise and all glory and all honor. And now we sing at the top of our lungs and lift our voices because we love you, Jesus. Amen. Will you sing with us?